Well, hello and welcome everyone to the Rabbitohs Top 4 Podcast. It's been a little while since we've been on air, so plenty of fun coming up. My name's Jeremy Monaghan. I'd like to welcome my usual co-hosts in Mark Ellison and Shannon Donato. Ello, great to see you back on board here at the Rabbitohs. Oh, fantastic to be here, Jeremy particularly amongst you two great fine young men that uh, we're talking with today. And I, I noticed Shannon's got all his notes again. And the, <laughs> today's program sponsored by Google. So <laughs> <laughs> the, um, yeah, the, the, the only problem with it is that Gabby has to write the notes out for you. <laughs> And read them out to him. That's the problem. But anyway, yeah, thanks, true. Gabby. Thanks for your contribution it's to the show. It's amazing how you can hook up that headphones to make it sound like you speaking, Gab. Yeah, yeah. She's, <laughs> she's multi-talented. <laughs> I was going to be nice to you today, Yellow. I haven't even had a chance to have a word and you're already into me. Oh, I don't know where that came from. It's <laughs> so unlike me. <laughs> I was going to say welcome back after your operation with your knees. You look... You look a million dollars, and um, you said, you know, the pain's not too bad. I just want me of a story that I read in the paper this morning about uh, two men, and they broke into the into the chemist and stole all the Viagra. Apparently, the police are on the lookout for, for two hardened criminals. <laughs> <laughs> now, I'd just like to say... You gave me a lot of work to do last podcast, oh, Shannon. Yes. <laughs> so I, I really hope you've thought about your jokes this time. I have jokes. For those that haven't listened to the last, uh, to the last podcast, please do. And towards the end, there was a fair bit of editing required. Shannon got a little bit loose. Yeah, sorry, Jez. This one is definitely going to be uh, PG rated. I'm on my best behaviour. Excellent. So, Ello, bit of an update on you. You've been out injured. Yes. For the last couple of months, how how are the knees going? Yeah, they're going well, Jez. I'm um, I've been out of play. I had the surgery about six and a half weeks ago now, but uh, did a fantastic job, uh, Doctor David Bro. Chiching, chiching. No, he was <laughs> no, truly. Um, he doesn't know you, but he's going to get a copy of this podcast <laughs> before the bill settled. But, no, no, did a fantastic job. Um, it's surprised, you know, how quickly your body just recovers from it. I, I thought it'd be a mm. bit longer. There's still a long way to go, but I, I didn't think I'd probably be this advanced at this stage. So it's good. I was amazed when I had a look at your X-rays about how deep into the existing bones that the whatever you could the fixtures go into. The what, how far down they go in. Yeah, I, I, uh, I'm glad I didn't see that before I had the surgery because, yeah. It, but they, yeah, they, they just have to um, cut a bit of your. The, the bones away and then and then drill down into them to get the 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 new joint the uh, titanium joints actually fixed and they fix them with some it's like a concrete setting material and then um there's a plastic material that goes in between that acts as your cartilage so it's um it's quite amazing what they do but it's it's very simple when you think about it yeah. it's just uh it's a little pain involved but um I'm so glad I've done it and you were telling me earlier, Mark Block Lyons is heading in for surgery just so he's got that one extra surgery than you that he can talk about for the next next twelve months. <laughs> Speaking about it being very simple. Well, well, <laughs> we, How are we, you block? We, we, we can only hope it's a lobotomy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Ello's been raving about Dr. Bro, but Dr. Bro hasn't been raving about Ello. He's, he's the only patient that asks for a rectum check every day. <laughs> he said, I ran out of rubber gloves. It was, a, it was out of control. Oh, dear. Very good. 
All right, let's get into our first topic. Now, it's been a while since we've been here. It was round 11. We're up to round 18. Um, so we're looking at the top four moments from rounds 12 to 17. That included wins against the Tigers, the Titans, the Eels and the Knights. Only one loss during that period, which we like to forget about down in Wollongong. But four wins out of those last five games, just not a bad record. Shannon, we might start with you about your uh, top four moments from those rounds. Okay, from round 12 to 17. We'll start at round 12. and uh, Indigenous round in round 12 is always a big one for us, Jez. And beating the Tigers 44-18. Over the last few years, Tigers have been somewhat of a bogey side for us. But I think we're all extremely confident going into Indigenous round. We know that our boys always fire up. And they didn't disappoint, of course, with the 44-18 win. But AJ scored three tries. Cody Walker scored two tries. And to Cody had a blinder, one of his best games of the year. And the, so the majority of our tries were scored by our Indigenous players. And um, and Blake Taff, you know, kicked three goals as well. So 26 of our 44 points came from the Indigenous players. And it was just a great celebration of the relationship we have with the Indigenous culture. As I said, Indigenous round's really big for us every year. So round 12 was definitely a highlight against the Tigers. You mentioned there AJ's hat-trick of tries there. Of course, the third try of that hat-trick was the record-breaking try as well where he took over from Nathan Merritt as the greatest try scorer in history. So I thought I'd just throw that in because you'd forgotten about it. No, no, it was just my next point here, Jess. <laughs> can I, can I just jump in there too? you hadn't interrupted, I was getting to that. <laughs> i just jump in there. I mean, the result was fantastic particularly considering we'd come off some indifferent form mm. and we were behind 12-0 in that game. You know, they took an intercept and then scored a try. Behind 12-0 and came back to win like mm. that. That was a great part of the game too for us. Yeah, It was. You, you're right. And to be honest, I sensed all the members and even the players on the field weren't really panicked because I think we were always pretty confident. Indigenous round, as I said, everybody switched on ready to go. So that was a... That was a great game for us. I think another highlight, um, a top four moment of uh, those rounds is when Latrell came back in round 16. I think just seeing come back, seeing the confidence he gave the other players, uh, seeing how well he played and it seemed as if the hamstring wasn't bothering at all. And just, um, I think that was a really big day. And beating the Eels is always a, a good treat as well. But just just how well Latrell uh, played in his comeback was a, was a top moment for us as well, I think. And then... Um, round 17, um, the game versus Knights. I thought that was it was a funny game. The momentum shifted a few times. We were on top early. Then the back half of the first half, um, you know, the momentum swung. But then, you know, when the game was in, in the balance, Cody Walker's length of field intercept, you know, he's just – we always talk about his instinctive, intuitive way he plays football and that epitomised it. And I think I get a real feeling that Cody's coming back into his best form and he's – um, confidence is is sky high at the moment. So Cody's intercept around seventeen versus the Knights was a really big highlight. And then um, the other the other one in that game round seventeen, I, you know, it's the little things we all talk about. Those you know tries and you know great flowing backline movements. But I I just thought there was a moment there that I thought come at the hour, come at the man. You know, um, the game was in the balance at one stage too. And Davy Mowali when he held up um, mm. Bradman Best, I thought. A young guy, he's someone we're investing in for the future and he's a great Rabbitoh kid through and through. And I thought what a great second effort it was by him and how determined he was. And I thought uh, that all augurs well for the future. So, um, you know, as, 
it might seem like a small thing, but I think it, it shows big signs. So I'll just jump in again there, sir. That that is one of my moments, and mm. I'll expand on it a little bit later as well. Yeah. It was it was great. So, just to recap um, for Ello, so he can copy them. Uh, my four my four top moments was the Indigenous round, uh, the Charles comeback, uh, Cody Walker's great length of the field try against the Knights, and David Mowali's second effort. Excellent. Thanks, Shannon. Over to you, Ello. Yeah, that's good. Well, mine was AJ's three tries against the Eels in the conditions that we played in that night, and and. It was on the back of Latrell being there and Cody coming back into his own. And, and for for many, you know, for a couple of years now, we've seen those three uh, combined to score some great tries. And it, when we are playing at our best, that's what happens with us, with our lethal left. And uh, that was a great moment for me in that Eels game. It, like, uh, conditions were very tough. And um, it was good to hit, AJ gets a hat trick and went a long way to securing the, the points for us. Uh, going to the Knights game again, there were some great highlights there. Uh, one which one highlight that I thought was just a magnificent piece of football was was when we we shifted a little bit at the right. It was around the halfway mark in the first half. The ball came back from an offload to Latrell, and Latrell just went to the line and popped a little ball to big Tommy Burgess. Yep. Tommy pushed his nose through the line Latrell ran around him and just as a beautiful offload to mm. Tom. And, and in fairness to Tom, he doesn't do that very often. Mm. Okay. It was a great play from him, but I think just the the presence of Latrell around him, yep. knowing he was coming, he's he obviously told him he was coming. And it was a deft little offload from yeah. Tom. And although Cody Nicarima just got caught short of the line. I think if we'd have scored that try, then go to twelve nil, it could have been anything. Yeah. yeah. You know, but it was just a moment that that uh, ad lib football mm. and, and that's it's it's what what the fans love to see. Yeah. I love to see it too. Absolutely. Uh, the other thing in that game, and it, it comes around Latrell as well. Um, the former great Indigenous fullback at our club, Greg Inglis, gets a lot of uh, portraits for his attacking genius and things like that. But I thought his time at the club. Uh, was punctuated by his defence as well and went a long way to helping us win competitions while he was here. Some great try-saving tackles. And one of them was in the same corner that Latrell made that tackle on Dominic Young the other yeah. night. That Young was in for all money. Yeah, and a one-on-one one tackle. It was a yeah, yeah. And Latrell stopped him in his tracks mm. um, and saved a certain try there. All right? And you're right. Akila Uate, that night... We were playing to, uh, to stay in the top four mm. in 2012, I think it was. Mm. He went down the sideline um, and Greg stopped him in his tracks, took the ball off him and, and mm. got up and played the ball. But no, they he, got, he offloaded and yeah, to yeah, Mero. Yeah. Mero was in the end goal and got out of the end goal. It yeah. was unbelievable. And it, it was so amazing that they were in exactly the same spot at yeah. the end. Yeah. Okay, and then in the second half... Uh, one of one of the guys that come off the bench, I can't remember his name, but I didn't go to Google today, Shannon. <laughs> but he went straight through, and Latrell stopped him in his tracks again, yep. and Nelly took the ball off him. Yep. Now they, they are two try-saving tackles that that were just magnificent. And moving forward, Davy Mawali, um, there were two tackles on Bradman Best in the game. I think the first one will go unnoticed by many, 
But when you're looking at effort areas from a young kid, it was after that break that Latrell and Cody Nicarima made. Cody tried to grab a, a ball through. He didn't get it through. They picked it up. Uh, Frizzell started running right down the field. Oh, yeah. Dave Mawali turned and chased, got turned inside out by, by Frizzell twice, then got turned inside out by Best down the field. Best got around Jackson Paulo as well, and Dave Mawali made the tackle. Back there after he'd run about 60 metres. Mm. And that was, we talk talk about having, you know, South jerseys in the frame. Yep. He put himself there. For a young kid, it was a massive effort. Yeah. Okay, and he, they scored in the corner the next play, but that's that's life. What he did there... But they ended up having a score in the corner. They did the in the post. corner and missed yeah. the goal. Yeah. And the big thing was that that was great to see him do that now because he, he'll pride himself on that sort of... Yeah. Uh, you know, game, in, in, what, that sort of effort area in the future. Yeah. And he did mm. in the back half. The try use, but he was, he was over best and he stopped him again, couldn't let the ball get down. Mm. And what I was alluding to before, I saw him after the game and I mentioned how great the tackle was. And you know what his reply was? That was for the red and green jersey, Ella. Oh, wow. I'm telling you. Yeah, some really kill down the spine. Yeah, that was really for the good signs and from him, I think, in terms yeah. of being a future leader at the club. You know, we're going to re- rely on him, front rower, to go forward, lay a platform, and that's the kind of character that you yeah, want in yeah, that role. Yeah, so that but that more highlights AJ's tries, Latrell's two tackles, um, the beautiful bit of Adlib football, and acknowledgement of Tom Burgess for his part in it as well, and Dave Mawali's two. Effort areas and yeah. he's tackling some great moments. You guys covered most of mine. The only one that that wasn't covered was I had Tommy's two hundredth game oh, up at the Titans. Yes. So just uh, he's our most capped front rower of all time, the most capped Burgess of all time, which is an achievement in itself for yes. how well those guys have played for our club. He's uh, the most capped non-South junior, which just shows how much the club has grown on him and his family over the years and. Um, there's a fair bit of footy left in front of Tommy. If he stays injury-free and keeps playing well, um, he'll move into the top five all-time at this club this year. Um, still with us again next year. So he could climb right up the ladder in terms of the number of games played at this club. And it's a, it's a real effort. He was the last Burgess to come out here. He didn't follow all of his brothers straight away. He wanted to play in Super League. So, in fact, this week when we play the Bulldogs, he plays his 250th first team game. So between his time at the Bradford Bulls and the Rabbitohs, this will be his 250th first grade game, which is a fantastic achievement for him and really happy for him. He's a great bloke, great family. Um, really happy that he got, got to that milestone. Hopefully he can add many more for us over the next few years. He's having a good season too, Tom. He had a couple of games early in the season were a bit below the standards and I'm mm. sure he'd realise that, but he is really, really coming into his own. And yeah. this is the right time of the year where we need it. Opposition teams are struggling to stop him. He's getting some great go forward for us. Mm. And that's what we want. We yeah. play off the back of it. That game against Parramatta, he was unbelievable. Yeah. Yeah. He yeah. just kept going and going. And he has. He's become a real stalwart of our club. The boys look to him to go forward. Yeah. And he's doing it week in, week out. Good on him. Great. Yeah. Played a lot That's of minutes the last week too. Yeah, he did. Him, and, him and Junior was just ma- just magnificent. Like, yeah. That, that's, you know, we 48% of our salary cap played in that game. Mm. And Latrell is part of it. And Latrell's obviously one of the, the higher paid players mm. in the club. Um, and to see what we did and and 
you know, it was a greater win than I think a lot of people give credit yeah. credit for with it. Because not only did we have some players come into the like Jed Cartwright hasn't played first grade for for quite a while. He's yeah. had he's had major surgery on his back. Michael Cheekham came back from major Same, surgery yep. on his back and he's gone in for surgery this week on his thumb. Yep. Um, and played the whole second half with a broken thumb, which was magnificent effort. Yep. Dave Mulally, still inexperienced in that area, coming on. Daniel Saluka Fafita coming over and being at the club three days before his debut. Mm. And he was like a like an ever-ready battery, wasn't yeah. he? He just yeah. kept going. And, you know, he hasn't had a lot of football lately. And mm. and I just thought he was he was still going as well as it was. He came on at the end of the game. Copped an elbow to the head from David Clemmer for his trouble. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, that's right. And, and you haven't made it in the NRL if you haven't copped an elbow to the head from David no, Clemmer, no, though. No. <laughs> there's, there's one other. There's one other player who was having a great season for us, and that's uh, Saliva Havili. Oh yeah, he's been fantastic. He, he he bobs up. He can play anywhere in the forwards. Uh, he gives a hundred percent every time he takes the field. He's hard to tackle. And he's a good fella. Yeah. Unlike he, some of the previous hookers we've had at the club. He's <laughs> <laughs> Carlo's not a bad player. Go easy on him, Miller. He's quickly becoming my favourite player. Ye- yesterday at training, it was absolutely freezing. Like, it was so cold down there. It was. I was grateful to get the invitation to Ello up into his private suite at training to, yes. <laughs> to try and thaw out. But um, Speaking of Galo's pies, yes. But, but, uh, but I saw Lever and I must have been shaking or something and he said, you cold, Jez? And I said, yeah. He said, I'm from Canberra. This is nothing. <laughs> yeah, that's right. I'm like, that's aren't right. you from Tonga where it's like <laughs> this beautiful um, weather all year round? <laughs> but uh, yeah, great bloke and he, you're right, he's playing some great Footy, some great moments there, uh, gents. And I think seven weeks to go in the regular season coming up is going to be some great footy. We've got some big games coming up. We need all of our members and supporters to get out there and get behind us when we're uh, particularly our home games, getting out there and getting right behind the team. It's going to be a big back end of the season as we head towards another final series. Yeah, we, we've got yes, great, great, uh, great things to look forward to. We've got a lot of players are back now from injury. We've got obviously. Uh, Michael Chukam's out for a few more weeks. Uh, Campbell Graham, but they will come in before the the, the playoffs. The great uh, annoyance of state of origin is out of the way. Yeah, yeah, it's exciting. <laughs> it's exciting times, and uh, I only just said to Shannon off the air that uh, it was only yesterday was the anniversary of when we all went to the Gold Coast last year. Ah. And on the on the first Sunday, we were up there. I remember we played the Bulldogs mm. at the same time slot. Six fifteen on the Sunday night, so um, yeah, we're ready to go again. Elo said to me, "I hope you don't mind me repeating this, Elo, that he feels like we're building towards something." And uh, we had an old boys function the other day, and um, the chill got up, and he said the same thing. And I just sense it with the whole squad that um, you know we've at times we've been a bit up and down this year, and that's what you expect when you've got a younger squad and some younger guys in key positions. But they're certainly playing a lot more consistency. What would you say, Jez, in terms of our win rate from round twelve to seventeen? We've only lost one game over that period. So we beat we beat Tigers, Titans, Eels, and Knights, and yeah. only dropped a game to the Dragons. Yeah, and you know that we weren't at our best that night, no. to to say the least. But you know, only dropping one game over that period, and you take that game out of the out of the mix, and we have been slowly building each week. And I, yeah, it does have a bit of a feel. I agree with you, Ella. It does have a bit of a feel about it. And we could be building to something. So, And we certainly need, as you said, Jez, we need our members and supporters out there cheering on the boys to, to make this run. We're two, two wins out of the four. You, you, 
if we get in, if we're fortunate enough to get into the top four, you're two wins away from the grand final. Yeah, and you've got a safety net. So, God willing, we keep continue that good form. We continue building, and uh, hopefully, we're going to something special. That's it. Right, I will be back in a second with our second topic for today. Now, our second topic is the top four most influential players on a team that you've seen at any level of the game. Now, when I think about influential players, it's not necessarily just the best players. People can easily identify the best players in a game of football, but not necessarily the most influential. So I'm going to go to you first on this one, Ello. Okay, although he's a Queenslander, I think um, Wally Lewis would be hard to go past with... um yeah, the legacy he's left in 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 Origin football, yeah. um, and the legend he's created in in Brisbane and Queensland himself. Um, you know, he's been a massive part of what happened there. He, he's he was synonymous with carrying the underdog tag when they first came in, and he played a massive part. In, he was only a young kid; no one really knew much about him. Arthur Beetson was the big name in Queensland when he first came in in the eighty one, eighty eighty one Origin, eighty yeah. 80 origin, um, first one ever, obviously, but they, you know, he's just, the folklore has continued around him. You, you, you go back when they, often when they are, you know, advertising the games, you'll, there's a flashback to Wally wanting to fight, you know, Terry Hill or, or Wally wanting to fight Mark Geyer and things like that. And he's, he also had influence over the referees as well. I mean, particularly Gomesall. Mm. You know? <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Why, why wouldn't he? he? Yeah, why wasn't he? Our exactly. best mates. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I thought he was actually his stepfather. <laughs> Barry he wasn't, Thomas Lewis, he was, wasn't that his name? He wasn't that hard to get into a headlock either, Barry, <laughs> was he? No, but I mean, and he did he did things in the origin arena that you've never seen other people do. Like that that try he scored at the Sydney Football Stadium that night when he, he just... Showing he, the ball. Yeah, showing the ball. And, mate, he beat some great defenders that night. Like, I think he beat Chris Mortimer, he beat Laurie Daly, mm. and, you know, which guys that just don't normally miss. And, no. uh, but, and he was just one of those guys. In, in that arena, every player in that Queensland team just followed him. Yeah. And he, he, he just had influence... Across the park, yeah. he had influence over the crowd, the home crowd at the old Lang Park. Yep. Like if he told them to throw cans on the field, they did it. Yeah. You know, yeah, and things yeah. like, like truly, he he just he just orchestrated that whole. Era I think it was a five-minute sin bin to the king that. Uh, that's right. That yeah. ended up having all yeah. the beer cans yeah. thrown on yeah. the field. Yeah. He orchestrated that whole Origin period yeah. that he played, and um, you know. Talk about influential, yeah. He's, yeah. he's one of the one of the top. I, I heard a great story a while ago that I don't know whether it's true, but it's a great story anyway. That there was a young kid that apparently wanted to send him some fan mail and didn't know how to get it to him, so they just addressed the envelope to the King, Queensland, and it made its way to Wally yeah. Lewis. Yeah, well, somehow yeah. Australia Post got it to him. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like how those Domino's vouchers keep ending up in LA's letterboxes. We don't know how they get there. Ella, they, they keep getting yeah, there. They, they get there, but they're gone when I get home because you know they're there now. Speaking about the King, he was one of my favourites, uh, Matt King. He, he was a great winger for us. Oh, sorry, Ella, you know. Oh, that's good. One, one of the things about um, Wally too and, and that period of, of football, I find that's like 
that was the most intriguing era of, of Origin. Like, we saw the other night one of the great Origin games, but the only time you got to see Wally Lewis play was for three games a year, or particularly for people in New South Wales, was those three Origin games. And then if we played New Zealand mid-year or the end of the season, we'd go on a kangaroo tour. You'd have to sit up to two in the morning to see Wally Lewis play again. You just didn't get to see him play because he was playing in the Queensland competition. And once the Broncos and these clubs came in in 88, you saw a bit more of them. We saw the Malmeningas come down to... Canberra and we saw them every now and then, but guys like Wally Lewis and Gene Miles and Greg Canescu and Greg Dowling and all these guys, you never saw until origin time and that's where the hatred I think is built a bit because it's like, who are these blow-ins, you know, why do they think he's so good, he he doesn't play for Souths or Parramatta or whoever, he doesn't play for one of the good teams he plays for some backward team up in Queensland and next thing they come down, he's a magician, just amazing I reckon they're the halcyon days it's almost like a bit of oversaturation now because even people talk about international football and, and stuff like that, but you get to see the Jerome Luai's play every week instead of just when they're playing for Samoa. Or Back then you saw Gary Freeman every week, but you didn't see all the other Kiwis playing, and they'd be playing in their yep. competition. And Yeah, it's just there was a bit of mystique around these team rep teams when they played. You're right. You're absolutely right. You see our players getting beat by these guys you've never heard of. Yeah. These are the best of our best, and they're getting yeah. beat. You, th- that, that sort of rivalry going back to the, just the, the genesis of origin. So, obviously, the Interstate Series, when the best Queensland players would come down here and play, a few mm. of them would be sprinkled in the New South Wales comp. When the State Series was on, they played for New South Wales because mm. they were playing in the New South Wales comp. And that's what really built the resentment in Queensland was the fact that their Queenslanders were playing for New South Wales mm. and beating Queensland. They were getting beat by their own best players that had come mm. down to Sydney. To play. And it's not unlike us and the Roosters. Mm. So we had the great Ron Coote and we had the great Erwin Walters and we had all these great players <coughs> that, that were South people. But because South didn't have the money and the Roosters did... Uh, as people unfairly refer to as the landlord and the tenants, yeah. you know, they, they poached all our players and took all our best players and went over there for lots of money. And they'd come back and beat us at Redfern Oval, our own juniors. Yeah. And that's what built that resentment for us and the Roosters. And it's yeah. really strong and it's really tribal. And that's the same thing with Queensland yeah. and Origin. They, they were getting beat by their own. And that's why they're as passionate or almost as passionate as the Rabbitohs members yeah. and, and what we have, uh, particularly against the Roosters. Well, it's great to see Luttrell and Daniel Saluka Fafita playing for the landlords these days. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's exactly right. I'm feeling very comfortable. <laughs> <laughs> good, good shout out to Jared Johnson too. Thanks for listening. <laughs> <I'm> Jojo. <laughs> Who's your next one, Ella? Well, I've got. They're both probably in Rabbitoh folklore now. Uh, they they tie into one on their past of two of our premiership victories. One's John Sattler and one's Sam Burgess. Yeah. Uh, their influence on, on their teams in two of the biggest moments in the club's history mm. have been magnificent. Um, I go as far as to say as if either of them came off the field after Sats broke his jaw and Sam broke his cheekbone, I think if either of them had have come off the field... Uh, it it may have been a victory for the other clubs yeah. involved, Manly and Canterbury, because they'd have thought, well, we've got we've got their most influential player off the field. Yeah, agree. Uh, and let's go. Well, let's and, have a look at last year. So the it's obvious that the Panthers had a plan to take Joy Arrow out, and they got him, and they took him out with an HIA. Yep. And that affected us defensively for the rest of that game, and they end up winning by two points. Yep. 
Now, Jai is a fantastic player, state of origin player, chance of playing for Australia at the end of the year. But he he doesn't have that same influence yet that Sam Burgess has on games. And imagine Sam had to come off in that grand final. Yep. What a difference that would have made. Yes. Well, that's right. And and the fact that he was out there and the fact that Sats stayed out there. I, mean, I remember yeah. John John O'Neill talking mm. about Sats' jaw. They didn't know it was broken. They saw him at half time and, you know, the deformity in his mouth and he couldn't hold his sort of jaw up. And mm. and they all just said, Don't you just stay out there. Mm. We'll, we'll do the rest for you. And... Uh, that just smelt to the opposition. Yeah. Like, how are we going to beat these blokes? Yep. We've yeah. just taken we've just taken their main man out, and he's not going off. Yeah, yeah. yeah. How are we going to beat them? And I think they are. You know, they've been influenced in a different way. They're talking about Wally Lewis, but yeah. what a what a great effort from both of those guys, and that they are folklore in our in our history. And 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 you know, ironic that. They're our two last grand final victories. Yeah. Uh, you know, I had Sam on my list too, and one of the points that I've made is he obviously had a massive influence on his teammates, and I think he's one of those blokes that you talk about when you look around the change room before kickoff and you're ready to go and you see Sam there dressed and ready to run out with you, you're, you're, you're like, we're going to be okay today. Yep. But I haven't seen a player, and I might be a bit biased, but I have never seen a player in my time watching football that has had more of an influence on the opposition as much as he has on his own team. When he runs out and he's playing against them, the influence he has on their team. Like, I've heard comments after games. Young Blake Laurie, we played a, a charity shield against um, the Dragons out in, in Mudgee and Sam was playing. And I heard I was standing out on the field after the game organising interviews for Fox and I heard Blake Laurie walk past. He was on the phone to say it must have been his family and they were saying, oh, thanks, thanks. So it must have been one of his first games. Um, up in the top grade, and and then I heard he was standing near him. He's on the phone. He's gone. Yeah, I'd, he said that's Sam Burgess. He's something different. He said he's something different. Trying to tackle him. He's something different. And yep. I thought you don't hear that. Uh-huh. You don't hear other players saying that sort of thing. And and I remember we played Canberra in Canberra one year, and um, young Hudson Young, I think, was making his debut or playing one of his first games, and. Um, after the game, you know how at Canberra you've got to walk up through like the rat the rat mm. tunnels at <laughs> at Canberra Stone to get out from the t- the the sheds up to out where the bus is. And I was following Sam up, and um, young Hudson Young was standing up there with all his family. And Sam went over to him and shook his hand, and said, "You gave it to me today, mate. Keep that aggression up. Congratulations!" And his whole family was standing there staring at Sam. And Hudson Young was like just staring at Sam and listening to everything Sam said. And as he walked away, looked away, and they all gathered round. They were all talking to Hudson like Sam Burgess just gave you a rap. Yeah, you yeah, know, like right, like yeah. someone with that influence on opposition teams. I haven't seen that. Yeah, before yeah. the way he had it. I sort of saw something similar. Um, you talk about Sam, and you know. Um, young Dan Laurie saying trying to tackle him is something different. Mm. I, when I was a young kid watching Ello, I saw something similar. I heard the, the commentator say, Mark Ellison trying to make a tackle. That is something different. So <laughs> 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 it's very, very similar. <laughs> same, same, but different. <laughs> so next one on your list, Ello, is it Shannon Donato? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Lucky you got that pen so you can cross his name out. Oh, yeah. <laughs> He's got to come up with something new, though. He does. Right? He's going he does. A lot of tackling jokes. Uh, anyway. He thought defence was something that ran around yeah. the park. <laughs> <laughs> the third one's Cameron Smith. Yes. Um, the ref. 
Yeah, the referee, well, he had that. <laughs> he just, he's just got an ability to stay calm in difficult situations. Um, um, you know, and he's he was a coach on the field, he was a ref on the field, and he was a player on the field and, and yep. had magnificent respect for everyone and just controlled games uh, and just did things other hookers couldn't do of his era. Um, and he wasn't the darting runner from dummy half. No. He wasn't the damaging defender. But everything he did was very good. Yeah. Very good. One of our just slogans. Very good. <laughs> he just picked He did. He did. But what he did, everyone knew what he was doing because he obviously discussed it with they trained it together. They knew where they had to be for him. Yeah. Yep. And he just put the ball where it had to go and they'd yep. get it. He'd make his tackles and he'd lay on longer in tackles than others. He'd get away with it because he was Cameron Smith. Yep. Um, and, yeah. He has influenced the game greatly, influenced state of origin as well. Yeah. In, a, right, in a similar way as, as Wally Lewis has. And Hooker's such a position. Well, you know, I found him certainly nowhere near the, the same level as Cameron Smith. But, he, you You're know, both captain your country. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's right. Yeah. <laughs> but I always found, like, Hooker's a tough position because you're always in the action and attack. You've got to be there at the play of the ball. You're in the middle of defence. There's always something going. But he, and the great players have this, he always has time. Yeah. He always yes. looks like he had time. You see some hookers and they're rushing to get the dummy half and get the ball ball out in time. Not him. He's considered looking around, assessing the situation all the time. Amazing. We're going to assess you, Shannon. We're going to have a, <laughs> we're going to have a podcast next year. It's called The Top 4,772. <laughs> and then... <laughs> You'll get a run there. That's okay. Yeah. <laughs> I wish you were a bit more considered, to be honest, though. And, and watching you, I wish you'd take your time a bit more as well. That's so. <laughs> it. Uh, okay, so, yeah, very influential. Another one's not in our sport, but um, just an, an influential person, not only in his own sport, but as we've just found across the nation, mm. across our nation, and his name's Shane Warne. Um, obviously the top wicket taker in, in, in Australian cricket history. But I think you – I remember watching some magnificent games that he played and he used to get wicket after wicket. But a couple that I remember were – I think it was it was the early 2000s, the World Cup semi-final we played against South Africa. And it was in South Africa from memory. And South Africa were just going to get out. We, had, we only scored two, 200 or something. They were just going to run us down and – uh, I think Steve War was the captain then. It was either War or Mark Taylor. They brought him on, and they were about oh, two for 130 or something. Mm. And Shane Warne came on in a, in a limited overs match where they just smashed him out of the park. And he took four wickets. Mm. And then they they there was a run out on the last ball of the game. I, th- I think he was important in that too. And he just changed the whole – and we went on to win the World Cup. Mm. We we canted in the final, mm. and this was when he, he just came to the fore there. Another another one was a Tash and Ashes, Ashes test, to, I think, to go five nil against the Poms at Adelaide, and everyone had just given the game up for a draw. And I, I heard Mark Taylor, um, no, it was Ricky Potting, sorry, he was the captain that day. He was uh, came into the ground and and said, "Oh well, we'll just we'll be a draw today." Warren said, "No, no, 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 we can win this. We can win this." Yep. We can bowl them out and we'll chase their runs down. And no one else in the team had actually thought about it. Yep. And anyway, yeah, that got them thinking about it. And anyway, yeah. McGrath goes out, gets two wickets in the first 
three overs or something. Just keeps bowling on his spot, and then anyway, then Warren comes up and just tears him apart. And then we we, we I think we got a hundred and sixty or hundred and seventy in the run chase, mm. you know, in, in thirty overs or something, mm. you know, and did and did it with three or four overs to spare. Mm. And I I remember I was actually at Erskineville Oval that day. We, we were training and we were watching it on the TV there, mm. and it was just. Just a, such a memorable experience, but just turned and influenced by this one bloke mm. who thought, well, why just play for a draw? Yeah. Yep. Why not go out, give the fans something? Yep. That's what he always did. You know, some of the, the deliveries he bowled were just unbelievable. Mm. Like that one, remember that one to Gadding? Yeah, yeah, around his legs. And, yeah. that, and that just... All de- of the century. Yeah, that just destroyed England. Yeah. That was the end of him in that series as well. He killed him over there. Yeah. And spinners weren't... Spinners never... Turn games in England. Oh, that's no. right. You know, and he just, yeah. One of the most influential sports people in, well, the in, influence a, in Australian history. The, and the influence he's had on the public. Look at the outpouring yeah, of that's emotion right. when he yeah. passed away. It's just... Yep. And even now, like, when you bring up his name, you sort of... Christ, yeah. he's gone, you know? Like, Awardy, yeah. <laughs> yeah. you know, he was as famous for his off-field antics as he was yeah, for his yeah, on-field. Yeah, very, yeah. very famous. I remember, I remember watching an interview for him, and, you know, he's talking about his... Neighbor and he's good mates with his neighbor. He's got a glimmer of a wife, and his neighbor said, oh, "I'm just sick of my wife, you know, sunbathing in the nude in the backyard." And he asked Warney what he thought about it. And Warney said, "Oh, mate, I'm on the fence." <laughs> <laughs> that was my joke for today, Shannon. Oh, that's good. That is good. Well, he's all. He's also. We talk about influence. Like he influenced Shannon with his toasted cheese sandwiches and baked beans. <laughs> What about LA? The thing I took about his great testimony to Shane Warne, and it was very good. It was, it was fantastic, LA. But you know, you used to watch Warney playing cricket while everybody was training. That's um, <laughs> that's just a lot. Of LA. Well, no, we were at training, yeah, about yeah. to go on the field. Yeah, yeah. And LA, you shouldn't sell yourself short as a cricketer. You played in a cricket day with Shane Warne. Yes, I did actually. Yes, yeah. yeah Tell yeah. us about that day. He played left, right, out, didn't you? <laughs> Tell us about that day, Ella. I don't think Shannon was on the field that day, was he, Jeremy? As I said, if if Warney bowls Shannon around his legs, he'd need nine stumps. <laughs> I wasn't going to bring that up, Shannon, but I, I, you've been very nasty to me today. Very no, I did. That, that wasn't a great day down there, Jeremy. No? I, I dropped my first catch I dropped in uh, in my career, actually, down there. Mm. Alan Lamb was the batsman. Yes. I think Warney bowled the ball. And Former England opener, opener I think. Yeah, Can I yeah. just say that's the first time in his life Ello's ever dropped any lamb? <laughs> <laughs> that's good. Oh, I like that. That's, that's pretty good. good for you. Was yeah. that on Google? That was that on Google? <laughs> no, that's good. That's a fair comeback, Shane. And I believe you. your son still reminds you about it yeah, to this day. He does. I was down on the, uh, the long off boundary and it just came right down my throat and I... I dropped it. I, my eyes weren't as good in those days as they were when I was younger. And I told Josh just bagged and bagged and bagged me. And, and we were sponsored by Virgin at the time. And he said, well, how'd you drop it? I said, didn't you see that Virgin plane? You know, those red planes? Go, it just got in my line of sight with the ball and I lost it in the in the plane. <laughs> Wasn't that a great day for the club? It was a great yeah, yeah, day. Yeah. The day after they retired. So Warren and McGrath retire yeah, yeah. at the SCG on day five of the test. Yep. The next day, they're down at St Peter's playing in the Rabbitohs Amazing. cricket day. And Peter Holmes had caught open the innings. He did. So no one else could get a bat. Yeah. <laughs> he didn't score a run, but he didn't get out. Everyone was too scared to bowl him. Raised his yeah, yeah. as he walked off. He, he was the one that put it all on. No one was going to get him out. Uh, very no, good. It, was a, it was a great 
It was a great day. That was that was just you know the the start of the change of the guard of the it club, was. wasn't it? Yeah. It was. Uh. I've got a funny story from that day. I'd being that those two blokes retired, I thought I'm going to go and buy myself a cricket ball and I'm going to get them to sign each side of the cricket ball. Just keep that as a piece of memorabilia. So I brought my cricket ball down and went and found Glenn McGrath. He was up in the corporate room that we had set up there and he signed one side for me and then I went downstairs and went and spoke to Martin Crow, who at the time was a director, the great New Zealand cricketer, former captain of the country. He's a good player too, Martin. Great right. player. Great player. And uh, went and spoke to him and I said, oh, I'm looking for Shane Warne if you've seen him. He said, oh, he's down in the change room downstairs. He said, come on, I'll take you down and introduce you. And I'm like, oh, how good is this? So we've walked down into these dingy change rooms at um, St Peter's there, and here's Warney smoking cigarettes. The room's half full of smoke. You're walking, you're choking. And here's Warney sitting next to Michael Slater. I'm like, I love Michael Slater, but I don't want him signing this cricket ball. <laughs> I, just want the two of them. <laughs> I just want the two of them. So I go over and... Uh, Martin introduced me to Shane and I said, oh, would you mind signing this ball for me? Yeah, no worries, mate. Takes a cigarette out of his mouth. Got a pen, took the pen, signed it, gave me the ball back and Slats is sort of sitting there waiting for me to hand him the ball. And I said, nice to meet you too, Michael. (laughs) (laughs) You're like you didn't bash her. (laughs) (laughs) That reminds me, actually. Uh, I think he's a Manly fan, a Sea Eagles fan, so so he probably wasn't impressed being there anyway. He should have another cricket ball, yeah. That reminds me, you know, what do you got if you've got a cricket ball in your right hand, a cricket ball in your left hand? A really big cricket. <laughs> oh dear. Very good. Right, oh, Shannon. Who are your four most influential people and why is LO one of them? <laughs> uh, sadly, LO, you just missed out, but you, you were right up there in contention for about half a second. Um, the first one, Sam Burgess. I agree with LO. You know, he. Has, and you too, Jez. He has an influence not only on his team, but the opposition as well. And I agree. Had he come off in that grand final, there's a strong likelihood we wouldn't have won. And he's just the kind of guy that, as you said, players want to play with. They feel safer when he's out there. So absolutely, Sam Burgess. We've said lots of, a lot about him. Another player of a different kind of ilk, but he could he could turn a game. If you were down, or even if it was close, and you needed someone to pull, pull something out of fire. And he played for the Rabbitohs. Just a freakish prodigious talent, Julian O'Neill. Julian O'Neill could do things on the football field and did things on the football field. He and off. I was yeah. going to say, yeah. and off that no one else could do. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Just ask Slossy. Um, yeah. <laughs> and the dolphin mascot. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Oh, but dear. no, on the field, honestly, he just did some freakish things, and I just remember playing plenty of close games, and he'd pull them out the fire just with some freakish act. So, Jules, uh, wouldn't that be amazing if their first game next year, the mascot leads out the Redcliffe Dolphins, Wayne <laughs> Bennett's team, and he pulls his dolphin head off, and it's Julian O'Neill <laughs> so with, with sparklers in his hands. <laughs> People might know what you're referring to. Just fill everybody in, Jess. Well, Julian O'Neill apparently was on um, some sort of harbour cruise with the Redcliffe Dolphins Club or some some event that they were holding and the Dolphin was on there and Julian had had a couple too many drinks and decided to set fire to the Redcliffe Dolphins (laughs) mascot. (laughs) Yes, yeah, Jules. He was certainly one of a a kind on and off the field. Um, 
I think personally, um, and and this guy is probably as famous for his off-field antics as his on-field antics as well, but I think one of the greatest players I've seen of any era that I've seen life played against as well um, is Andrew Johns. Like, Andrew, mm. he could hit like a second rower. He could sidestep like Alfie, run like Alfie, put guys through gaps like Cliffy Lyons. He could goal kick like Hazamil Majri, general play kick like Ricky Stewart, just the all-round general. Like, he, he absolutely had it all. And whenever he was on song, uh, the Knights would win, the Blues would win. You know, uh, he was just absolutely had it all and still got a great footy brain to, to this day. Um as I said, he's probably these days more famous for his antics off the field as well, Joey. Apparently, he likes a good time. But um, I was going to say, you had a great story about him and Coogee Beach that we probably can't tell. Oh, here. yes. <laughs> here yes. on the podcast. Yes, that's right. He's very, very popular man. <laughs> Influential, some might yes, say. Yes, that's right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I felt Shout like, out to Jason Stevens. Yeah, yeah, I felt like Manuel, Manuel from Faulty Towers, you know, just his little bag man, you know, scurry, scurrying behind him whilst everybody else flocked to him back in the day. He was a bit of a freak. But, yeah, so Joey, I think, was very influential. And then the the fourth one um, is a guy my, I watched play as a junior in my brother's side coming through. He went on and played some rep footy, and he captain South, and um, he wasn't really big in stature, but he had a – big influence on games, and that's Craig Fields. Mm-hmm. He was actually a really, really good, clever player, Craig. He was a, a scheming, shifty player, but he was a good little general. He, You know, people talk about Tugger being a general, and he was a general, but Fields, he was a general, but could also take the line on himself, um, had a really good kicking game, and he's such a competitor, one of the most competitive guys. Good goal kicker too. Yeah, great goal kicker. He was a really, really good player. Uh, Bozo poached him over to Manly for for a fortune off us. Um, but Craig was one of the most competitive guys I knew, a clever, clever footballer and very skillful footballer. And again, when he played well, uh, we back in my era, it wasn't one of South's golden eras, but when Craig played well, invariably we'd win. And we didn't win that many matches, but we, we always won when Craig played well. Mm. So, yeah, my four, again, are Sam Burgess, of course, Julian O'Neill, Andrew Johns, and Craig Fields. Very good. Well, uh, on my list, I had Sam Burgess and Wally Lewis. I also had John Sutton. Oh, yeah. he, uh, he probably not publicly had a, a massive influence on our team, but knowing him behind closed doors and what he did for that team, particularly around that premiership year of 2014, he was an enormous influence on that squad as the captain of the team. And um, the influence that he had on games, he was just the magician. If he needed something special done, he was the man that was going to provide that something out of the box, something special, the flick pass, the whatever play it was, he, he was the one that was calling the shots to put those on and, and win us some games. So I had Sato in there as one of the more influential guys that I'd seen play. And also modern-day Latrell Mitchell. Um, I just find Trell, he hasn't hit his peak yet, um, but he has a great influence on games that he plays in. And you've even seen since the the third Origin game people saying, what if Latrell had played? We didn't have Latrell and Tom Trebojevic. They were the difference from last year. Um, so he's recognised publicly for that. But he's... On, on that point, Jez, if I can just jump mm. in there. And, you know, Latrell, Latrell came back from a long injury layoff and he just knew that he wasn't ready for yep. the speed and, you know, what comes with an Origin game. Maturity. Maturity and things. Now, like, 
Latrell Mitchell would be the first player picked in that team if he was fully fit. Yep. yep. There's no doubt. Yeah. And and um, you know, there's no doubt in my mind. Yeah. Okay. And there's no doubt in my mind that him and Travojevic just pulled the Queenslanders apart on their own yep. previously. Yeah. And you know, we lose we lose focus on the fact that those two just were just destroyed them on their own. They yep. did. Yep. And we didn't have them. On the, that's why the series was always going to be a tough one. Yeah. That's why the other night, without Munster, that went in our favour too. Mm. Yeah. Thank God he didn't play. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Yep. But the thing I find with Latrell too, his attitude is infectious. Yeah. He's come back. Well, before he went away to the States, I reckon it's probably fair to say that he wasn't at his best, not with his attitude, but just with his mood. Like he was down, he was injured, he... Um, it wasn't the the spark that you see now. He's come back. He's revved up every training session. He's jumping out of his skin to get out there. He's revving the boys up. He's telling them to be here on time or make sure you do this test with the training staff or whatever. He's on top of everything and he's out there and he's fired up and he gets him out there. He's clapping his hands. He's yep. whooping it up, and it's just infectious. Even for us on the sidelines, like I walk out to go. And, watch training, and I have must have seen 10,000 training sessions over the years, but you get out and you see Latrell all hyped up, and you're yeah. like, here we go, let's see how they train today, you know? Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. like, it's just infectious. He's one of those blokes, and Greg had a similar effect on people too, and particularly kids. So I've, I've spoken a few times about, about my daughter, um, Kira, she's six years old, she's seven in November, and Latrell's her favourite player by far and away, and she's had the opportunity to meet him a couple of times, and... and him and Greg are the same. Their smiles just light up the kids. I remember that we were waiting to to meet Latrell up in Mudgee. It was outside the sheds, and Kira wanted to say hello to him. And he's come out, and he just played footy, so he was he wasn't sort of jumping out of his skin. He's come out, and I said, "Oh, Trell, Kira wants to say hello," and he smiled at that, and you just saw the look on her face when the smile when the smile came across yeah. his face. And the other night when we were at, at um, a core stadium after the the para game and he's signing autographs and high fives and I was sort of it's usually Ello's job to try and get all the boys back into the sheds in a certain amount of time for JD to talk to them and sing the song but obviously Ello with his knees I'm helping out trying to get Trillin and, and that is a job and a half yeah. to try and get Latrell back into the sheds because he wants to give his time to the kids and the fans yeah, but he's also got to give his time to his team yep you know, so trying to get him back in and apologising to fans. Look, I need him to, to move on. Quick photos, quick high five. Sorry, you can't sign 10 football cards you've got. Like, sorry, yeah. you just can't. I've yeah. got to get him inside. It's one hell of a... And he does all of it and puts a smile on absolutely everyone's face that he goes past. I just think his influence off the field, particularly his his want and his ability to speak up about Indigenous issues as well. Yep. Um he's going to be a very influential player in Australia over the next decade and probably longer. Yeah, agreed. I think he already is. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, amazing. Awesome. He could be one of the greatest ever. Could be. Yep. He's already... He's already, he's already he's 25, hello. He's already mentioned... <laughs> he's 25. He's, he's already mentioned as a player that can do things that others can't. Yeah. He's still got a long career ahead of him. Uh, yeah, he loves his club. We love yeah. him. Uh, yeah. Uh, just the way he wants to get involved with the community and with his people yep. and, and with his thoughts on all of that as well is, is magnificent. Yep. And we support him 100% on it. Yeah. And I think 
we will see the best of him. I, I still don't think we have. We haven't, Ella. He's I still 25 years of age. That's right. It's just, and I've never seen him in a better headspace. No. Yep. 100%. I think it's a master. You know, hopefully it's not a secret, Ella, and Jez might have to edit this if it's not. But the reality of him going away to the States was as much about his mind as it was about his body, right? Mm. You know, yeah. it was about his hamstring, but keeping in a positive frame of mind. You know, uh, getting away from the fact he's injured, and he's not playing footy. He's over there focusing on his rehab rather than the fact he's not playing. And I, you know, as I said, I saw him at the old boys function. He's so positive, as you said, Jez at training. He's in a really good headspace, and that's a full credit to you and Blake and uh, Brock and uh, JD, everybody, Eddie, everyone involved. The fact that he's smart enough to know that that's what he needed at this time, not just physically yeah. but mentally. And I, we are definitely already reaping the dividends. Yes, yeah, some some I, that made me really impressed with him too around that old boys stuff because I didn't go to the old boys function. I forgot that the team. All went. You're not old, and, <laughs> and I, I said to him um, because I thought he may have gone to Taree after we played in Newcastle. He's halfway home. I thought he might have gone up there. And I said, "Oh, did you head up to the farm after the Newcastle game?" He goes, "No, no, no. I came back for the old boys' day." He said, "I learned so much talking to those blokes." Mm. Yeah, and I thought you don't hear that. Yep, you hear some goes, "Oh, yeah, it was a great function. It was a good feed. It was great to see the old boys there, or whatever." But you don't hear anyone say, "I learned so much talking to them." Yeah, he said the same thing on yeah. stage. He said, yeah. you know, this, this is great for us to understand the history of the club and the culture yeah. and the background and what is in the DNA of our club. And that's why I love playing here. And I just thought, yeah, it's great. He is a He's great a rabbit. Yeah, yeah, just a, a rabbit. Yeah, a couple of points on that. And it goes back to what we spoke about before. But the, f- the first point with Luttrell, I think I think it was just him knowing exactly what the club thinks of him. Yeah. Yep. Right? That, you know, you're, you're our big dog. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Charles our big dog. There's yeah. no doubt about that, and all the players know that. Yep. All the fit, he is. He's he's our guy that can do things that other players can't do. We've got some other great players in the team: Cookie, Cody, Cam Murray. They're big dogs too. Yep. But it was just something that he needed to know coming from another club. Yep. That this is this is your home, mate. Yes. And sure. we treat you. You are one of us. Yep. And that's what it's all about. And giving him the opportunity to get back to the best he can be. Yep. And he appreciated it. He enjoyed his time over there. And just watching him in the, the you know, the documentary that's coming out, some of the things he was doing there were just athletes oh, most yeah. athletes just can't do. Just it's, a na- just a natural. There's not many of us around and I just gotta say <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna say if anyone hasn't watched that doco pushing boundaries on the Rabbitohs website and digital channels, two part series goes for about an hour all up. It is well worth a watch just seeing the mindset, the maturity, and the level that this guy can produce because, as you say, it's going to be special over the next decade. And going back to his take on the old boys thing, we spoke about John Sattler and Sam Burgess in the grand final, 71 and 2014. Mm. Now, Sam knew the history of South Sydney. Yep. Now, I reckon if he didn't know the history of South Sydney and know it's been done before, maybe that played a part in his mind and wanted yeah. to stay on there as yeah. well. Yep. You know what I mean? And he knew it. And the message came back and was yeah. taken to Sam. Madge came through the, the headphone to me and said, just tell him John Sattler. Yep. And yep. Kurt Wrigley took the message out to Sam and that was it. Yes. You know, and, and knowing 
like what Latrell's saying, I've, met, I've learned so much off these. It's about his growth in the history of the club as well. That's yep. right. Jez and I were down at the Chinese at Yum Show the other day, and I couldn't couldn't eat much. And the waiter just came over and just said, "Mark Ellison, Mark Ellison." <laughs> <laughs> and I did. I, I dug deep, and I finished that six <laughs> I, was, I thought I was, I'd done you proud, Ella. I was just about to say, I can't believe you went without me. <laughs> <laughs> Shannon's <laughs> <laughs> speechless. He can't believe I'm he did so, either. I'm sorry about that. No, he that's can't okay. believe he did I feel either. a bit bad. No, that's okay. Don't but, the that. one lesson out of this with your mentions of Sattler and, and Burgess is I hope Latrell doesn't have to have his face broken to win our <laughs> <Yeah>. next premiership. <laughs> <laughs> Although, knowing Trell, he'd probably say, yeah, I'll do that for yeah, us. Yeah. <laughs> and it worries Shannon. He wouldn't be able to eat for six weeks. <laughs> Uh, can you mash dumplings? <laughs> I'd find out. <laughs> Combination short soup. What a winner. Yes. It is a winner. Righto. We'll be back with uh, my most fearful segment, but also <laughs> one of the best segments of the show. As my finger hovers above the mute button... It's time for the jokes of the past two months, almost. <laughs> Not jokes of the week anymore. I'm going to start with you, Shannon. Okay, well... As I tremble in my seat. As you know, mine are always true stories, and this was a... You know, I was with James the other day, and we just um, it was the weekend, and we thought we'd just go out in the ferries and have a look, and he was pointing at the zoo, and he reminded me of a good story about when he was a young bloke, and Gab and I took him there. He was about four and, uh, you know, as you do as parents on weekends, you're always trying to find good activities for your kids. And we took him to the zoo and we're walking around and um, we're standing at the elephant's enclosure there and um, there's a big male elephant, Gab, James and I. He's enjoying all that. They put a female um, elephant in with the male's one and the male one's obviously got a bit aroused and and the appendages come out and, it's, you know, the appendages started to swell and it's almost... <laughs> Hitting the ground and... Can you, you spell see? appendage? <laughs> <laughs> Can you spell elephant? <laughs> <laughs> no, You'll never forget. No. You'll never forget it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm telling you a lovely family oh, story. Sorry, sorry. <laughs> Going back in the nostalgic uh, days when my 21-year-old son was about four years old and he saw it and I could see his mother get a little bit embarrassed and he said, oh, mum... What's that? What's that thing between the elephant's legs? That really big thing. And uh, Gab was really embarrassed. She didn't know what to say. She said, "Oh, I don't know. Go and ask your father." So um, James wanders over and he says, "Oh, Dad, what's what's that really long thing between the elephant's legs?" I said, "Oh, ask your mother." He said, oh, "I did." And. Uh, I said, well, what'd she say? She said, oh, that's nothing. Go and ask your father. That's, that's nothing. I said, what did she say? She said, that's nothing. And I said, yeah, well, son, that's because I've spoiled your mother for so long. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. Uh, oh, no. Is that all right? Will we have to edit yeah, that? Yeah, we'll see. <laughs> I've got see how much time i got this afternoon. <laughs> I've got a true story, too. I saw you two guys walking down Chalmers Street at Reffin the other day. <laughs> you were past this dog, and this dog was just licking his genitalia. Oh, dear. <laughs> <laughs> and, and Jess said, Shannon, do you reckon I can do that? And Shannon said, you'll have to pat him first. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, 
Uh, well done. I remember on that day too, we saw another dog that was licking his backside. <laughs> I said, What's he, what do you reckon he's doing that for? I said, he's probably a bit of rooster supporter trying to get the taste out of his mouth. Oh, <laughs> 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 uh, <laughs> uh, dear. Very good. Well, yeah, I think they're acceptable. Good. I think that that's if anyone's still yes. listening. <laughs> Hello to my, lo- my lovely wife, Gabrielle, out there, and my son, James. <laughs> we know Block's listening. I'm glad they're not rooster supporters. <laughs> We know Block's listening. He always comes to me at the games yeah. and says, oh, I enjoyed that segment or oh, what you said about this. He might that. be practising his jelly wrestling at the moment. He's <laughs> <laughs> jelly. Isn't he Australian champ? He is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. very well, good. Well, he was. I don't know if he's yeah. <laughs> He would have told you if he was. <laughs> yes. Yes. One of the great handshakes in our game. Uh, yeah. Mark Block lines. Yeah, yeah. He's got hands like a bull. That's it. I'm not, not going to mention his appendix. We all paused. I was thinking about it. I thought, no. If Ali was just no. smart. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, I wanted to leave on a positive. Yeah, he must that is. A, that is. That is. He's just smart as a bull, yeah. Because he must have made a great help to you with your knees, Ella. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Tell me what not to do. Yeah. Oh, he, know, he knows everything. Sure. He does. He knows everything. He knows he knows the name of the unknown soldier. That's how good he is. I <laughs> oh, can't talk. He took a glass of water sleep. I'm telling you. He, oh. oh, that's not how you do it. Oh, 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 oh. You're going to put a game-ready ice machine on your knees, mate. What about the lunch you guys had the other day? Where at? I don't think he turned up, did he? No, I know. Well, he didn't pay. I know that. Bill, <laughs> I was a bit confused when you asked him about the lunch because he has three a day. He didn't know which. He didn't know which one you were referring to. Well, yeah. I know it wasn't with you. You don't invite me. Three lunches and then he goes for afternoon tea. Oh, <laughs> oh very good. Right, oh, we'll come back after this short musical interlude. Well, thanks, everyone, for joining us uh, today here on the Top 4 Podcast. We'll have to get another one or two in before the finals. I think, gentlemen, it's been great catching up after a long time. Hello, great to see you back walking around. And your recovery, I've got to say, is remarkable. You must be doing everything right. So. Yeah, I'm doing the best I can. I, I just uh, The thing was, Jez, I was in that much pain before it, like for a good 18 months or so. Yeah. So I thought, well, now I've had it done, I've got every chance to get back to normal, so... Just put the work in and where we go. And he was in that much pain before he got it done, and now he's back in the studio. I'm in that much pain. <laughs> <laughs> How's uh, what's your review been like of Brock Schaefer's efforts on the the headphones on the sideline? Is oh, he doing been, a good been job? Excellent. Yeah, yeah. We, well, we've we've gone on that uh, sort of winning streak. I was there for the Tigers game. Mm-hmm. Uh, I wasn't there for the Titans. Right. Uh, I wasn't. You certainly weren't there for the Dragons. That wouldn't have happened if you were there. No. I, was, I was on Endone in hospital watching the Dragons game. I thought I was, I was hallucinating. Yeah. <laughs> I thought I was on Endone when I was watching it too. I, gotta, I, gotta, I was talking about Brock and the headphones. I think the biggest effort is for the headphones manufacturer to find a set that fits his head. He's dead set. <laughs> <laughs> his forehead's got its own postcode. Oh, the man with such a small body, it is quite a large one. Uh, right? It's unbelievable. No, Respect to Mrs. Schaefer, I've got to say, to squeeze that out. That was <laughs> 
<laughs> Fantastic effort. No, I'll get, I'll get, I think we'll get back to the question you asked. Yes, you're doing a great job. Yeah. <laughs> we, won't get, we won't get back 30-odd years in time. <laughs> Is Brock 30? He's old. Jeez, I wouldn't have picked no, him. That's his 30. IQ, I think he was referring to. <laughs> <laughs> oh, very oh. good. We'll, we'll be back soon. Make sure you uh, check us out at rabbitos.com.au slash podcast. Jump onto your podcast apps. Give us a review, a five-star rating, and hit subscribe for us. And we'll be back very soon, gentlemen. Great to chat with you all here on the top four. I think we need to do one from live from Young Henry's. You keep saying that, Elio. I know. Let's, we'll get, let's, let's make it happen. Well, All right, Dan, from Young Henry's, I'm giving you a call straight after this podcast. We're going to find a date. I've done a Boundless Water one today. Yeah, excellent. Yeah, well, oh, that was fun. Boundless fun. Water. Well, it's, the, it's, beautiful, uh, it's a beautiful product, but it's not as much fun as Young Henry's. <laughs> <laughs> it's as much fun as you can have drinking water, I can tell you. I highly recommend it. Very good. Righto, gentlemen. Thank you for joining us on the Top 4 Podcast this week.